This week on Dig Me Out. And then put it in a blender and press the button that says a Benny Hill montage. Tim and Jay review Sing to God by Cardiacs. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me for episode 225, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay. Tim. How are you? Good. We need to uh <laughs> we need to find the theme song to 227 and play that during our episode 227. We are totally gonna do that. Was there a theme song? I'm hoping there was. I hope, yeah, there it's had an, to be. It's an '80s, so there, an '80s, you know, sitcom. So there had to be a, a theme song, right? Written specifically for the show. I used to watch that show a lot. Wasn't that an NBC show, like on, like Saturday or Sunday? Like I want to say that was like with Empty Nest and mm. um, maybe Wings, paired with Wings. I don't know. I don't know when it was on. Used to I, um, set my schedule based on when the shows were on. Like, I knew that Tuesday nights A Team was on at eight. I knew that, you know, Wednesdays yeah, was Unsolved Mysteries. That's why I'm perplexed that I can't remember when. Wasn't this a Friday night show? Mm. I feel like it was a Friday night show. We're jumping ahead, Jay. This is a discussion for episode two twenty seven. Oh shoot! I'm listening to it right now. I totally now I totally remember the song. It's awesome. As soon as you hear it, you'll remember it. Well, everybody's gonna hear it on episode two two seven of Dig Me Out. Get ready get ready for that, folks. We're on two twenty five, Jay, and this is another requested review for us. Requested, requested review. Uh this one comes from Crawford Blair suggesting a band that I was not familiar with and I'm guessing you were not as well cardiacs and no. their 1995 album sing to god and as you just said not familiar jay this was a band i had not even heard of like there are some bands where you go yeah i kind of heard that name bounced around or or bantied about right if you will no cardiacs was just completely off the radar so we should probably yes, totally dis- yeah we should discuss some history of cardiacs so that we can appreciate the backstory, and hopefully that will help us in understanding this review that we're going to be doing. History of the band. So Cardiacs formed in 1977, originally as Cardiac Arrest. Uh, the band has been led by Tim Smith um, since the beginning in, from Kingston upon Thames, Greater London, England. The original lineup was Michael Pugh on lead vocals, Tim Smith on guitar and backing vocals, and Peter De- Peter Tag on drums. The lineup was completed by Jim Smith, who joined on bass guitar and backing vocals. Eventually, Tim Smith ended up um, the lead vocalist, and over the years, there have been 21 different permanent members of the band, not to mention various players on different records. So their first release was on a cassette uh, in 1980 called The Obvious Identity. That was under the original name Cardiac Arrest, and then for their 1981 release, 
Toy World, they changed it to Cardiacs. They had releases in every other year, 84, 86, 88, uh, and then again in 89. 1990, they released The Seaside. 91, Heaven Born and Ever Bright. And there was a break. And in 95, four years from their last record, they released the double album Sing to God, which we will be reviewing. It's the first double album, I believe, we're going to be ever reviewed. And then in 1999, they released their last uh, full-length Guns. Wasn't Use Your Illusion? No. No. It's two albums. Yeah. Well, well, I guess so, but it's two albums concurrently released. It's technically not a double album. Yeah. Because they get charted separately. Yeah. You couldn't. Yeah. You had to buy them separate. Yep. Well, this was released in both formats. You could you could either buy each record separately, or you could buy it as one album. Mm-hmm. But I believe it's intended to be one album. Right. So at the end of June 2008, Tim Smith collapsed from a heart attack and major stroke while leaving a My Bloody Van- Valentine concert. He was in the hospital, and he suffered a second stroke, which left him severely debilitated. Uh, in August of 2010, one of his current band members, Kavis Tarabi, stated in an interview that the Cardiacs would never play live again. And at the time, Smith was still in the hospital going through neurological rehabilitation at a center in Wiltshire. So I checked the Cardiacs website, and there does appear to be some activity in terms of shows. Um, and in fact, last year, they released... This album that we're reviewing, Sync to God, on double vinyl. Uh, if you want to pick that up, depending on how our review goes, you could do so. <laughs> so that's basically the history. Very truncated, shortened down history because it's, it's a band's been around for a long time. Now, uh, one thing I want to um, mention is that the band fairly early on signed to a label um, that was called. Oh, what was it called? It was called like the Alphabet something concern. I can't remember what the middle word. It's ABC. Basically, it was the ABC label. But the label was run by Tim Smith. But he projected it as if it was a label that they were signed to, which a lot of bands do, you know, when they're indie bands. Mm-hmm. But the, the interesting thing is that he used it as, as like an excuse for why they didn't re-release their early material. He was like, well, the record label is very oppressive and they won't release the masters and we can't. So like all the early cassettes of stuff that maybe he didn't want to release, he basically used as an excuse to not re-release stuff. Mm. Um, but but carried on this like sort of the evil record corporation is keeping us down and that's mm-hmm. why we can't do certain things or that's why we're being forced to do this. And I guess uh, in terms of performance, they actually used it as a in, in during their live performances in a sort of theatrical way, like mocking the record label and stuff like that. So, but it was all contrived. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a little bit of insight. Uh, I want everybody to know if you have a suggestion for an album for us to review, please visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Uh, for f- feedback, I don't believe we got any. I think we got some questions about who this band was, or it was it was more along the lines of who, what is this? Wawa Wewa. Exactly. It was it. It was your standard Wawa Wewa. Um, 
So, Jay, since we have a double album of um, 22 songs to review, we should probably just jump into this. Probably should. Um, I don't think this is a one that calls for track by track. Because uh, yeah. we'll, we'll be here all night. Because it's 22 tracks. This is like a Guided by Voices album, except they're not all two minutes long. So let's talk about, Jay, what worked and what did not work for us. I'm going to go first. Yeah, Because so, I, I have some thoughts. Good. Frame this up. So I'm going to frame this record up. When I was reading, obviously, I, I tried to do a little bit of research on the record, and I found out that uh, Damon Albarn from Blur is a fan of this band, as yeah. is Mike Patton from Faith No More and Mr. Bungle, mm-hmm. which totally made sense because I hear both of those bands in this mm-hmm. band. Okay. I also hear... it. This is how I would describe this band in an overall sense before I get into my what I liked. Um, if you take uh, like Mr. Bungle, Faith No More type stuff, combine it with Blur, toss in a little like psychedelic flaming lips, and then maybe the Flash Gordon soundtrack, and then put it in a blender and press the button that says a Benny Hill montage. That's what this record is to me. Mm. It is chaos and unpredictability and melody where I don't expect it to be. It has almost no adherence to any sort of traditional songwriting that I can pick up on. There are verses and choruses, but sometimes there's you know eight verses and a chorus and the song's over, or there's no discernible verse or chorus. There's just some parts that sort of sound similar, but they're not really because what's going on is so manic in the maniacal sense, not Manic Street Preacher sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that said... There was a lot that I liked about this record. I liked that I never knew what was going to happen next. Even though I listened to the record three times this week in a row, which is a lot for 22 songs, yeah. I'm st- I am still haven't figured out where a lot of these songs begin and end because they're just so crazy. And they're not all long. Um, on the first album, the last song is 822, but the rest of the record, the rest of that album, excuse me, the rest of that first disc is between three and four minutes. Uh, I think there's one track that's a little over five. And then on the second disc, uh, you have a pair of longer songs. One's just under nine minutes, and one's just under ten minutes. The rest of them are two to three minutes long with a five-minute closer. So these songs happen in quick succession, and they often have five, six, seven parts. They don't adhere to time or tempo in terms of they will jump and have there'll be no indication they're going to which is fascinating and it's a really interesting listen and if you can just sort of like sit down and listen to it it's mind-blowing and there's so much stuff that's going on on a pair of headphones that it's i've had two people listen to it outside of myself and they're both kind of gave me this look like what the hell is that like eyes sort of squinting and their mouth kind of falls open like what it's crazy i played him eat eat it up worms hero which starts out with this like electric guitar chugging palm muted thing and you're like okay this is kind of a rock song and then there's like five parts in a row that don't make any sense and there's stops and starts and the, the times are all different and tempos change and there's like one part that sounds like it's about to start and then it just drops out and it's fascinating
that's really a fascinating record. That's all I can say right now. Jay, what, what were your <laughs> some th- some thoughts? Yeah, it's 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 a little of everything. Literally, um, there's a lot to take in. I don't think we've li- we obviously we haven't listened to anything on this show yet that uh, is this uh, dense. <laughs> uh, things just fly 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 and whiz by. Um, you really the tempos are are fast. You know, there, there's nothing on this album that's really. Uh, I don't think slow. Maybe maybe Eden on the air. It's a little, I guess maybe slow, more mid tempo. But a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff is it's it's flying. There's obviously a lot of prog elements to the band, but at the core, uh, there's, you know, a power pop element or pop element or even Beatles, you know, sort of uh, roots that you hear come through in a lot of the songs. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think for the first it's interesting to think about this in in terms of two records because I wasn't able to do that. You know, I I wouldn't know where one ended and the next began. Again, because they sound, you know, the production-wise, they're exact. All, it's all exactly the same, right? Um, for the most part, the instrumentation is the same. It's I th- there's a lot of instruments on this record, and I think they all play on every song. Mm-hmm. It's there's not many songs where you're like, oh, well, they uh, they didn't use the horns on this one, or you know, they didn't use the mellotron. Uh, they they're all on every song, I think. So it's a little, it's interesting to think about it as two records um, because as I got to the middle of it, you know, your comment about it being completely unpredictable, I actually, one of my exact notes was by the middle, actually towards the, uh, way past the middle, uh, this is around like track 15 when I was taking my notes is that it's predictable in in, in that it's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at that point you you start to learn to not expect anything to ever stick around. Right. Um, and that's, I think I start to get into my frustration with the record is because those parts that I really do like, they're just, they're so, everything's fleeting. You know, you, you can't seem to grab hold of anything and hold on to it and really enjoy it because it's gone. So, you know, that leads me to, you know, what I started with was, you know, the, the prog element of the band. And that's, to be fair, if you've listened to any prog, I mean, the whole point of prog is to really get familiar with the material. And then as you understand it and remember it, then it becomes increasingly more and more fun to listen to it mm-hmm. because you can kind of, you know, when those time changes are going to come and you can, it, it's, you know, you can predict it. It's, it's challenging, but like you're involved with the music in a whole different way than you are with like pop music. Mm-hmm. So I guess my point is that I don't know that either of us can really evaluate the this record without really listening to it for a, a long time. And, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? Like, I don't even think a, a week or so of listening to this is really going to 
you know, get you to the point where you can really appreciate it in terms of the, the prog element of it. No, I agree. I actually considered buying the vinyl double album because I was just like, I need to spend another year with this record to be able to understand what the hell's going on. Listening to these MP3s, which we do appreciate that Crawford sent us the MP3s because there, this isn't available on Spotify or Groove Shark or any sort of streaming service in the U.S. So it was the only way we're going to be able to get the record. It's a lot to take. I mean, it just it really is. But there's if you can like listen to the little nuggets here and there and just realize how interesting they are. It's it's worth the journey. It's just frustrating because there are some like dull tracks and some noisy stuff and i think what you mentioned about being at pop what i read from tim smith was he looked at this band and and he was talking about this record in particular as being a pop album just drenched in psychedelic psychedelia yeah which totally makes sense i mean this sounds this to me is the closest i've ever heard a, a band capture the feeling of like a dream where like things just happen and you can't quite grasp them and they're just gone and you can't remember what they were. This like these songs sound like they're occurring in someone's fever dream where it's mm. just craziness and the parts just pop in and out and they don't necessarily make sense, but they they are what they are and I don't know what was involved in making the record, if it was <laughs> any sort of chemicals or whatnot, but I cannot well, imagine playing uh, this speed and this proficient myself yeah, like it doesn't seem I, possible there was there's a joke to be made around cocaine and then in the band named cardiacs <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll let I somebody else make that joke but it's like uh you know i've never done that but you know well the 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 speed at which this material is played and then the, the complexity and just the the bizarre nature of it i i guess that's what i would imagine to be like just like a thousand miles per hour. Yeah, I agree because I listen to the songs and I'm like, how is it even humanly possible that anybody's playing this stuff? Like, I understand that, like, what's the really fast metal band? Dragon. Um, yeah, Dragon Force. Dragon Force. Like, I get that they're an insanely fast metal band, but they're kind of like doing one thing. Mm-hmm. This band is not doing one thing. Like, yeah. they are all over the place. This, in some ways, is even more crazy than that band. That band just sounds like a Nintendo yeah. game. Yeah. Well, this band sounds like a Nintendo game sometimes, too. But then yeah. they sound, you know, like Queen. Or Dream Theater. Or Right. Right. You, yeah, they they go into those, like, those locked-up keyboard lines where it's like... You know, that kind of shit. Well, and they also do stuff where the keyboard is clearly playing in a different time signature... Then like two other parts of the song, which are playing in two other different parts, like they're all playing to their own thing, but somehow it's all locking together because it's extremely tight. It's just 
it doesn't seem like it should be working. One of the things that he said, Tim Smith, was that a lot of the songs were written by the guitar player. He would have like a riff, and then Tim Smith would pick out the riffs that he likes and build songs around them. Hmm. Which, and it's a four piece band, by the way. They did bring in some like additional players for the record, but they entered the studio as a four piece. So this is four guys doing this for the most part. So keyboard, guitar, bass, drums? Yeah, well, Tim Smith plays all instruments except for drums. So I think they switched off on a lot of stuff. And I think that he must use some sort of sequencing on the keyboards. Because the songs are so densely layered, I can't imagine him pulling it off live. Uh, Yeah. Oh, geez, I can't even imagine. I mean, I guess they maybe the, there's some yeah patches or something on the keyboard that they use. I mean, even on the record, some of the keyboard stuff sounds like like there's a arpeggios being played, and you can't right. tell if they're actually playing them or if they're yep. automated in some way. There's some cycling going on, and huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I could see the the keyboard parts at least being probably performed, but more of like patches. But then that would mean everybody's got to be playing to a click track, which seems I, I impossible. Yeah. But yeah, there's one song, uh, shoot, which one is it? It's going to be hard to even refer to notes on this record because there's 22 songs. They, they, they like go to the chorus and it's, it sounds like it's slowing down. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. what do you call that when you like kind of break the time signature and you just slow the song down? A, a retard? Yeah. It, yeah. And then they, and they kind of speed and they go back into the to verse and it's like they pop right back into whatever the time. Are you talking about is. dog like Sparky? The third track? Yes, I believe okay. so. Yeah. It, it kind of starts out with like a stomp. Yeah. Yep. 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 Uh, it speeds up and slows down. Cause then at least it feels that way in the chorus. I don't know if they're doing it. If they're just well, the chorus like, like goes to like a slightly, slightly faster tempo, but it's still like slower. And then they like start going to like a double time. And then like a triple time, like it just gets faster and faster after it was being slow and stompy. And there's all these like keyboard parts and and, like he does it with his vocals too, where it gets like super chimey and high end, like it sounds like insects marching. It's it's in like some sort of horrible dream. I think my favorite moments on this record were I, I like track one a lot and it's a good example of them relying on the sort of those weird organ sounds 
and the layered vocals. I think that's something we haven't talked about nearly enough is that the vocals on this record are probably the most insane part because there's harmonies everywhere and they're doing some kind, they must be doing some kind of pitch pitching of voices. So the, the harmonies are just like insane because there's, you know, voices that sound like little children or something mm-hmm. and, and they're just everywhere. And this in the, in the singer, I guess the lead singer, he's kind of got a weird, uh, you know, slightly off kilter kind of delivery anyway. So when you add the harmonies in on top of those, that kind of singing, it's like he kind of sings like, I don't know, like uh, the guy from Flaming Lips a little bit, but with right. a better voice. He, you know, he's actually really, you know, he's a really good singer, but he kind of does the same kind of trilly kind of weird phrasings and things. Uh-huh. And uh, so I like when track one, they keep it pretty simple and you can appreciate that part of it. And then it kind of melds with the, those weird sounding eerie keyboards. And then what you really can focus on then is the chord changes, which are brilliant. You know, they go into these like minor shifts that all of a sudden take a dark turn and then it gets brighter again. And so the material where they, uh, another example would be um, dirty boy, which is, I don't know, maybe the most, one of the more straightforward songs on the record, if you can say that, like more mm-hmm. band oriented, even though the last half of the song could be chopped off. But again, though, because it's more guitar oriented and band focused and less, a little less proggy, um, you can focus on the chord changes and the and what's going on uh, with that. And it's pretty incredible because it's like a nonstop. That's where I think that, like in that case, it is unpredictable because they kind of make everything instead of it being like crazy time changes and like breaks and guitar bursts or whatever, you know, shifts and jerks and turns. It's more of like, I don't know, like unsettled water where it's like, you don't know where the next wave is going to come from. Reminded me a lot of more recent Muse, Dirty like, Boy. Yeah, the like the big epic, yeah stuff that Muse has been doing recently. It, it had, for me, it had a kind of a, a shoegaze kind of feel to it, in a way, mm. and that it's kind of thick and full, and 
just, you know, musically, I just felt like it was, you know, maybe referencing that just a little bit, but in their own sort of format. But again, it's just like track one. It's a, it just removed a, a one or two layers of, of extra, I don't know, instrumentation. And it allowed me to better focus on, I think what was, what's really cool about the band, which is the vocal, uh, the melody and the chord changes. You know, I, I thought there was a lot of other songs that I liked, but it just ended up there. It was just one thing too much, you know, mm-hmm. and I can, you know, I kind of, I can get into Prague, you know, I can get into stuff that's complicated and I like stuff that's layered, but I just found myself in almost every song. I'd be like, oh, this is a really cool song, but there'd be a part or a, se- a section that was really long. And then I'm sitting there thinking like, do you really need those guitars, you know, doing that syncopated thing? Like what, there's one song where it's really cool, but they've got these two guitars hard panned left and right, and they're off. They're you're just totally like bouncing off of each other, like bing 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 bing. But and underneath all that, there's a you know there's a song. There's a, a full band playing something else, and you're like, my brain's gonna explode. <laughs> like I can't process all of what's going on right now. Uh, it's one of those. Again, one of those moments where where I just wish just a little bit more con- restraint, and maybe I, I would I would love this record. Just like one ingredient too much in the cake, right? Well, I think what's fascinating about the record is that depending on how you edit it, you could make a pretty straightforward but uh, you know intellectual Britpop record out of like eight or nine songs, mm-hmm. or. You could make like a seven-song 1970s progressive rock record. You know, if you took the right six or seven songs, and you make like a Rush or a, you know, something like that. Or you could just do this like weird, noisy, experimental <laughs> album that has like no structure to it or what have you, with like four or five songs. Like, there's just so much material here, and it's doing so many different things that you can kind of make your own record out of it if, if you want and find. Because there are songs, I mean, you might be overselling the craziness, but there are songs like Man Who, which sounds like Blur a lot, It's but just kind of kicked up on the crazy specter a little bit. Um, <laughs> but it has like a Blur sort of acoustic, uh, it's more mid-tempo, it's not like acoustic in a slow s- sense, but it has this like, you know, Blur Park Life kind of feel to it. And it has a really cool run in that song. It's like, it's just, they do it a couple times in the song. It's pretty cool.
that like that song and like if you take that and like try to think of, there's a couple other ones but like fiery gun hand or um, fair, fair fairy mary mag yeah like those could easily be in the same ballpark as like blur and suede and some of that stuff yeah i know that they he, put out he sounds sing- like he sounds a little bit like brett anderson too yeah His voice can they put out three singles for this record and none of them charted so <laughs> yeah you think yeah but even like you brought up man who i mean yes i agree um but even that song like one of my notes is it's got this um like they double the vote the main vocal with like an underwater vocal mm-hmm. so it's like but it's like high-pitched right and again i'm just like does that need to be there you know right I guess it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of distracting me. It's from a little too much of, of a good thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, just uh, take a little, little too much sugar. A little too much is a good, <laughs> yeah. um, just overall for this record. A little too much. Uh, I, let's... I, I, I lost steam, you know, after oh, Dirty yeah. Boy. I was just like, oh my goodness. It just, well, I, you know, we famously mentioned in the failure review. I mentioned that that was exhausting. We talked to Kelly Scott about it, but that that album is nothing compared to this. Oh God, no, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, that's like a that's like a primer to get ready for this record. Yeah, let's talk uh, overall ratings. Jay, is this a worthy w- double album? Would I'm going to change this up a little bit? Okay, worthy double album better single album or a decent EP where would you be uh, I would be at a better single album okay I think uh yeah I, I that, like I said it's it's interesting to think about it as a double record you know and, and just that it's hard to say if there's two good records here I know there's at least one good record here there's mm-hmm. definitely a, a good EP here I, I don't know if you split them up if it would be easier to kind of appreciate both like because what you'd have to do is like listen to one for like a month and then take six months off and listen to the second one like right. cleanse your palate then go to the second one listen to that for a month and then kind of revisit both and see how you feel about it and if they're both strong so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna at least a one good record i'm with you although i do think that at least once I, I, everybody should just give this whole record a, a listen just to sort of take in the crazy, but in a good way. I'm not saying that in a bad way. It's a, it's a good crazy. It's just, um, I think as a, as a repeated listen, this would make a much better single album and we could edit it down probably and, and come up with something pretty interesting. But as a, just as a whole, it's just so much to digest and there's, there's some filler. Let's put it that way. So we could definitely do without some of the tracks, especially on the second disc. Uh, the back half is not, a, I don't think is as strong as the first half of the record. So we need to thank Mr. Crawford Blair, who suggested this album. This was a challenging and uh, record that I, we never would have found without his suggestion. So, and I'm, I am like seriously considering, I'm going to put it on my like, you know, future purchase list possibly to i, I kind of do want to get this a double vinyl 
mm-hmm. and listen to it that way. I just think it'd be such a weird and interesting listening experience. And I can't imagine there are a lot of them out there. So maybe someday it'll be <laughs> worth something like those failure vinyls that came out a couple of years ago. Like I said, it's it's a record that people are, you know, if you take our advice and listen to it at least once, you're going to say, whoa, you know, I, I'm not even sure what I just listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you hear anything in it, I think that's compelling. You probably owe it to yourself to invest in it a little bit, you know, just at least a, a good week or so, a week or two of listening to it. Yeah. And we mean continuously. You, Don't go right. to work. Just stay at home. <laughs> because I draw think a bath. You, you might find, and that's what, what uh, compels me to this record, is you might find that you actually love it, you know? Yeah. As you, as you get used to it and warmed up to it and then can really start to remember and understand the songs, I think you, for people that are into um, either pop or prog or any, any mix of that stuff, either 70s, 90s, because I heard some, you know, with all the harmonies in here, I heard a lot of like Queen moments oh, yeah. too, which was really cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this is a record where it just could grab hold of you and, you know, it could be something that you you really, really like for a long time. You know what? This I'm going to sum it up by saying, uh, in terms of Queen, this is a band that heard Bohemian Rhapsody and said, let's do that 22 times on a pile of cocaine. <laughs> Whether or not there was even cocaine involved, I have no idea. But it just—it's so uh, yeah. maniacally crazy. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. So it's fun to picture it that way. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's it. If you like what you heard, please consider leaving us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And of course, if you have an album that you would like to suggest for us to review, visit our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Uh, that's it. Next week, we're going to be doing a roundtable discussion on one-hit wonders. So if you haven't already chimed in with uh, your favorite one-hit wonders or your least favorite one-hit wonders of the 90s, feel free to stop by the Facebook page or the uh, website and drop us a, a note or two. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. This is what it